Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. So we're in our War for Your Heart series. Uh, This is week number five, and today we're going to be looking at what it means to escape temptation, uh, this this thing that every human being on the planet has to deal with, uh, including the, the... uh, the, the God who became a man who had to deal with, with temptation and what it meant to escape temptation as Jesus was tempted a number of ways, but we see a, a, a big story about it in, in the book of Matthew uh, chapter 4. Um, so we're looking at temptation and the great escape. And, and here's the thing, every person on the planet will face it, but only believers in Jesus, followers of the King are given the, the perfect way of escape every time. Uh, it's not to say that we're better than non-believers, because it's not that. It's just we follow the one who controls all things and is for us. And so as believers, we are always given a way of escape. So the big idea today is to know your escape route, to know what to do. Uh, to know where to go or, or how, to, how to get out of that moment or uh, you know, how to walk away from that place where you're like, ah, I shouldn't find myself here. The, know that escape route and, and also know who you are in Jesus. And we'll be talking about that a little more uh, later. But, but for the believer in Jesus, we have Jesus on our side. He wants you successful. He wants you uh, to overcome. He wants you to be victorious. He, he doesn't want you to give in to temptations that will, that will drag you away, like James says, and, and bring death. He wants you to be an overcoming, victorious warrior, follower of his. And so he gives you those, those escape routes. And for those who don't know Jesus, maybe you're here today, you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, or you're, you're watching online, thanks for joining us. Uh, you're listening on K-Bay. Thanks for listening. Uh, maybe, maybe you're tuning in somehow, either in person or, or online, and you don't know Jesus. You haven't made that decision. Um, number one, he wants you to know him. He wants you to follow him. He wants to save your soul forever. But number two, outside of knowing Jesus, it's really good luck. Uh, it's not going to turn out well for you when temptations come because you're only going to be able to deal with it in your own power, and our own power is weak and pointless. And so you're going to give in over and over and over again to things that are destructive in your life until you follow Jesus. When we follow Jesus, we get the Spirit of the living God moving in to this temple to to lead us and guide us, to comfort us and counsel us. And, And so we have the escape route every time. Um, So my encouragement to anybody who doesn't know Jesus that's listening or that's here is to take time today and really, really wrestle in your heart and soul and your mind, should I follow this Jesus? Don't just do it because I say so, but I do say so. It's the best decision you'll ever make. It's the only eternal decision that you get to play a part in by saying, yes, I accept your free gift. And it's the only one that can give you eternal life with the creator of all life. And so you can make that decision today. You don't have to go through a class or read through the whole Bible or, or get everything right. You're never going to get everything right. But you can make that decision today to follow Jesus. And then you'll be given the, 
the, the key ingredients in life to win this war for your heart that we're talking about right now. Trusting in God's faithfulness is the way of escape that, that empowers us to overcome every challenge we'll walk through. Every one of us faces temptation. Now, we're not told that, that the difficulties of temptation will always be removed, like, like you'll be walking around and, and all of a sudden temptations will just, will just fan out and get out of your way, uh, you know, because you follow Jesus. It's not that, because Jesus went through temptation, so it can't be that, that living a perfect life frees you from temptation. But God's grace always gives you an exit path. The Holy Spirit fully empowers you and I as believers to, to, to find the escape route, to, to endure throughout the, the struggle right there, or, or maybe just to be able to stand strong in the midst of a barrage. Sometimes temptations come like that. It's like something offering, you're like, nope, nope. Sometimes uh, temptations come uh, maybe with a little more length of time to them. We have to be mindful and we can't just be like, oh, I'm just going to just wait it out and see how it plays out. No, but maybe it's a health issue or maybe it's a major relationship struggle in your marriage. And the temptation for, for the health issue is just to give up. Maybe for the marriage, it's like, let's just tap out. Maybe that's the temptation. Or I'm just going to despise this person. Maybe, maybe you're having a marriage problem or you're having a problem with your child or you're having a problem uh, with, with a coworker that you see five days a week. And you're like, I, I have to deal with this. The temptation is to hate and to quit and to blame and to point fingers. And so you're, you're in a length of time. It's not like the temptation to, you know, to eat cake after you've been diagnosed with diabetes. And that's just, that's a tough temptation. But that's a, that's a momentary thing. You go, no, I, I, I can't eat that chocolate cake anymore because it's not healthy for me. But you're in this relational thing over here where you see this person every day at work or every moment you turn your head in the bed or whatever it is. And the struggle is to point and to hate and despise and to quit. And the Holy Spirit gives you the endurance to walk through the struggle and not choose the horrible thing for your life. That's where we have that escape route. And so different Temptations are going to have different escape routes and are going to have different decisions that we make, but it's all going to be what Jesus gives us and because we find our lives in Jesus. So Paul is writing in, in 1 Corinthians 10 to, to believers and, and he's talking to them in this particular chapter about, about not losing focus and not getting lazy, about not being ignorant and, and playing with fire when it comes to temptation. Um, and, and he uses the story at the beginning of chapter 10, the story of the Exodus, the, when, when God led the people out of captivity in Egypt. He, he's using that story to point out that, that even in the best circumstances, you can give in to the dumbest things. And he says, hey, they had God leading them, like out of captivity. They were in captivity for hundreds of years. And then God sends Moses to to rise up and, and take the people out. But God's the one leading them, Paul says. God's leading them. Jesus is right there with them. Miracles are happening all around them and happening in them and for them. And yet, they ended up doing the exact same thing that pagans did. And, and Paul's like, you got to understand that, 
That just because God is leading you doesn't mean challenges won't face, won't, won't be something you don't face. They chose the world's ways, actions and attitudes, because we see they did dumb things and they had grumbling, you know, horrible heart attitudes. Because the world offers them this alternative, which is their temptation for them. Hey, just, just complain. Just worship another calf. Just worship, make a, a golden calf idol and worship that. Uh, you know, God said, don't gather too much manna, but just go ahead and do it. I mean, these temptations that the world offers in logic, and they just, they just went for it. And they failed to see their escape route, trusting in your sustenance every day, trusting you're the only God worthy of worship, trusting your good heart for us and being grateful rather than having a, a heart of ingratitude. They forgot who they were. They were the people of God, and they forgot whose they were. They were his chosen. God chose them for no other reason than he decided to choose them. I, I choose you because I choose you, not because you did something. So God said, I choose you. They forgot who they were. And God tells us in, in verse 11, as he has Paul write this, and we'll look at the other verses in just a moment, but in, in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 10, God says, all the tests that they endured on their way through the wilderness are a symbolic picture, an example that provides us with a warning so that we can learn through what they experienced. For we live in a time when the purpose of all the ages past is now completing its goal within us. So he's saying, what they went through was for you and I today, so that we could see and understand and learn from it. And then Paul says, so beware, in verse 12, if you think it could never happen to you, lest your pride becomes your downfall. He's saying, hey, don't live in fear, but know that temptations will come and God can be leading you. Jesus can be in your midst. Miracles can be happening and you can still be ignorant enough to choose that should you forget who you are and what you're called to do. So we don't live in fear. We're not fatalistic. We don't worry, we just keep our eyes on Jesus, our mind on Christ, and, and have good fellowship to help us go, hey, dodo bird, don't do that, right? <laughs> you should have somebody who is willing to call you a dodo bird in love. If you, if you just take that away, that's an accountability thing. Amen. And then in verse 13, amen, right, man? In verse 13, we see the way of escape. We all experience times of testing, temptation, which is normal for every human being. Don't feel like a loser because you're tempted. Paul says it's normal for every human being, and Jesus was tempted. So we're in good company right there, because Jesus was tempted too. But God will be faithful to you. He will screen and filter the severity, nature, and timing of every test or trial you face his absolute faithfulness his unlimited grace is available for every believer who faces hardships and temptations and walks through seasons of difficulty so that you can bear it he will make sure that you're fully equipped to walk it through now there's a there's a false thing that's spoken a lot of times god'll never give me more than i can handle that's wrong, because I can't handle anything. 
we take it and we say it wrongly, but really what it is is he'll never give me, he'll never allow me to walk through anything that, that I'm not by the power of the Holy Spirit able to walk through. Amen. That's what he's saying here. And each test is an opportunity to trust him more. Hey, if you're like me, you're like, okay, God, that's great to read, but I'd just rather not have to go through another test. I mean, I'm just being real. I know that temptations are common to all men, all women, everybody ever made. And I know that it says here that every time I'm, 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 I'm go, I go through a test or a trial or a temptation, it's an opportunity to learn to trust him more and grow in my discipleship and grow in my, my, my character, becoming more like Jesus. But I don't like that. And in love, he says like, hey, I hear you, Scott, but tough. It is what it is. For along with every trial, this is the beautiful part, God has provided you a way of escape that will bring you out of it victoriously. Victoriously. C.S. Lewis was, was writing to this, this lady and she was complaining and in pain because of all the, the temptations that she was facing and giving into. And, and she's like, I, I just... I don't, want, I don't think God should make me go through pain. And, and he had this quote for her based on this verse. He said, God, who foresaw your tribulation, has specially armed you to go through it, not without pain, but without stain. Sometimes it's going to hurt. It's going to be a struggle. A trial is a trial. A tribulation doesn't mean happy skippy. They, they are temporarily painful and a temporary struggle, but you're not stained by it. It doesn't own you. It doesn't discount your relationship with Jesus. So we're going to look at uh, two, two stories to contrast temptation that are famous in the Bible. Genesis 3 with Adam and Eve in the garden and Matthew 4 with Jesus in the wilderness being tempted. Uh, very famous stories. Most of you probably heard them. Uh, most of you probably also read them at one point or another. But we're going to see what, what temptation looked like and what the response was and, and what was missed on the one side and then what Jesus did on the other. So we, most of us know the story of Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve in the garden, it's perfect. There's no sin. They're perfect. No sin. Perfect world. The only time it's ever been perfect because right after the the crunch of the fruit, you know, things went downhill from that point. But Eve is tempted by a serpent that, that Satan is speaking through. Uh, and she doesn't recognize the scheme of the enemy there. And then Adam's right there, kind of a bump on a log, apathetic, and just standing there. And he's like, mm, sounds good to me. And he takes it and does the same thing. They just, they were offered something false. And they fell for it. The big issue there is that they, for, they failed to recognize who they were and whose they were. Because the temptation was, hey, God's hiding stuff from you. The temptation was, hey, he, you, you do this and you'll be able to know as much as him. Did, did, did God really say? All these, all these doubts the enemy tries to bring into their... To, to our lives and, and certainly brought into their lives and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
forgetting the fact that they walked in the garden every day with God Himself. They were perfect, made perfect, still perfect at this point. They had everything given to them. And they were given authority over all things. And then this God who loved them, and they knew He loved them, said, just don't eat from that tree. Don't eat from that tree. Subdue your will if it, if it wants to eat from that tree and, and, and submit it to me and, and let me be in charge. And they gave in. They forgot who they were. They forgot whose they were. Even in the midst of a perfect setting, temptation can come. You can't create a perfect setting where you'll never be tempted. It doesn't exist. They were perfect and it was perfect and temptation still came because we have a common enemy. And, and so no matter what's going on, be mindful, not fearful, but mindful of the schemes of the enemy and of your escape routes and of knowing who you are because that'll be key in not grabbing a hold of that one temptation that can derail your life. They gave in to the temptation because they forgot who they already were. And then you have Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11, where, where Satan tempts Jesus in the desert or in the wilderness, depending on which version you're reading. The Holy Spirit led Jesus out to the wilderness. Let that be, you know, soak in for a moment. The Holy Spirit led Jesus to this place where he would be tempted by the enemy so that you and I would know how to overcome temptations from the enemy. Jesus was even sacrificing things back then for us before the cross. And so here he is, he's, he's hungry, he's tired, he's exhausted, he's fasting for 40 days there. I mean, some of us, when we hear the word fast, we're already hungry, right? <laughs> right? So he's 40 days in and, and he's being tempted. Those are definitely times... The enemy's going to come in the perfect times, but when you're hungry and tired and exhausted in your body and your mind and your soul, those are definitely times the enemy's going to go, oh man, they're set up like a t-ball. And he's going to want to come and swing away. He's going to want to come and, and bring that temptation for you to give into, or just maybe in your laziness choose it, or, or just pick the self-gratifying thing. I know I'm not supposed to eat this. I know this is what the doctor said about my health, but man, a whole cake and a whole pizza would be so good right now, right? And, and I say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but for those that struggle with, with health issues or with sh sugar or cholesterol or, or diabetes or, or you have some kind of a disease where it feeds off of the things that maybe you're, you're, you're used to eating, you've got to be mindful of those temptations are both things that you love, because maybe you love those things, but the enemy hates you. Yep. So he wants you to eat horrible things, especially when you're struggling in your health. Yep. So be mindful. Amen. One of the escape routes is, don't go down that aisle at H-E-B. It just is a logical decision. Give somebody else the shopping credit card. Those are logical things that we have to do. In this particular moment in the wilderness, Satan made an issue of Jesus' identity, just like he did with Adam and Eve. And he comes to Jesus and he's like, if you really are the Son of God, show off a little bit for me. 
Show me what you got. If you really are. I mean, if you're not, then of course you don't have to show me anything. That's really what he was doing. He was trying to poke at Jesus' identity and say, prove it to me that you're big stuff. And he knew. Satan knows the truth of who you are. He certainly knew the truth of who Jesus was. Jesus made him. And then Jesus booted him out of heaven. So he knew this guy's all powerful and he's the creator. But, I'm, but I also know that he has set aside his godness right now, his deity, to become a human. And so he's got the frailty of humanity in him. And he's hungry and tired and exhausted. And I'm coming after him. Because the enemy is diabolical. He hates you and he hates me. He hates that we're the apple of God's eye. He hates that we were created to be God's favorites. You're God's favorite. Just listen to that. I don't care what you do this week, you're God's favorite. You still are. You still are. No matter what things you struggle with. So Jesus uses the word to fight. Here's the cool thing. He was the word before the word was written. And so he knows it because it's him. So he relied on his identity to fight the enemy. He knew who he was, and, and he knew who he belonged to. He knew his strength was based in his identity in God because he's a human right then. He laid aside his, his deity. So he was as human as you and I. It's hard to fathom, right? It's hard to fathom that Jesus was as human as you and I. Just he never gave in to sin or temptation. He was fully man right then for our sakes. So he went through exactly what you and I face. He knows every struggle you face and he gets it. He gets you. He gets the struggle. Yeah, he didn't have, maybe he didn't have diabetes or, or yeah, he, he didn't have this, this ailment. Yeah, he didn't have a, a struggle with a spouse, okay? Maybe not all the specifics, but he understood struggling relationships because he had those disciples. He, he understood what it was like to have a mom and be a son, he understood what it was like to be a growing up kid and wanting some freedom and mom still treating him like a little, a little, a little kid. So he understood everything we go through. He gets the temptations you and I face. And so he's perfectly suited to give us the way out, show us the way out and empower us to walk through it. So do you know your escape route? Do you know those things you're tempted by and how you're going to get out of it in the moment. When Jesus was tempted, he turned to the truth of the gospel and who he was. The truth of the Bible, as, as it tells about your renewed identity as a son or daughter. The, the truth of the word, as it tells you you're a saint, you're a, not a sinner. But Scott, I sin. I know, I do too. But you're not a sinner. You're not a sinner. You're not a sinner. You're a saint. And if you're a sinner and not a saint, you're not believing God. Amen. He says, you're a saint. I've changed your identity. I gave you a new one. That's the struggle with, with so much of religion that wants to beat you down with lies based on who you once were. Right. And why would a good, loving God do that? I mean, can you imagine, at, maybe a lot of you have kids or... All of us were kids. Uh, imagine, like, my kids walking out, and I'm like, they get up in the morning, they run out, and I'm like, hey, 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 enjoy your breakfast. Remember, you're a loser. 
but I made you breakfast. Enjoy it, but grovel, because you're going to blow it today, and I can't stand that, but I, but I love you, even in your loserness. Now go do your schoolwork. You're going to fail, because you're a failure, but remember I love you. Would you believe me? No. God does not say, hey, sinner, hey, sinner, hey, sinner, hey, worm, hey, lucky to have me, guy. I love you. Come on to heaven. He doesn't say that. He deals with sin in our lives. Conviction is real. That's what the Holy Spirit does. We're convicted of sin so we can repent, be set free. But you are not a loser or a sinner. It is not your identity. And that, knowing your identity as a saint is huge in overcoming temptation. You've got to know that. And I know you struggle with stuff. So do I. But you've got to know who you are in Jesus. Transformed into the very image of Jesus now while being transformed into the very image of Jesus day by day. What? I know. It's beyond our brain pan, as Jeremy would say. Okay? I am just like Jesus, and I'm being transformed to become just like Jesus. Both and. Already, not yet. That's the truth of who you and I are as followers. And if you're not a follower yet, that can be you. And he says, just believe and follow. Now, James, in James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, he's talking about some heavy stuff there. And we're going to look at it here in a second. We're going to look at the, the verse 14, the beginning of verse 15. And when James writes that temptation comes from our own desires, what he's talking about there is temptation that we've already grabbed and, and bitten. So it, think of Eve as grabbing the fruit and taking a bite out of it. Not temptation that's presented to us, but this, he's referring to temptation you've already bought into. And he says, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. Oh, that's ugly. These desires give birth to sinful actions. I take the temptation. Ooh, gets real close to my mouth. Oh, it smells sweet. I bite it. And immediately that gives birth to sinful actions. Here's the thin thing with temptations. Temptations will mostly come based on those things that we've talked about in the previous four weeks. Yep. Spiritual strongholds that, that are not yet resolved or removed in our lives. Those dead cows, if you were here and you saw the big dead cow on stage, those dead cows in our lives, that sin issue that we won't resolve or have removed by Jesus. We just keep shooting at the buzzards that come to feed on the sin issues. Uh, we keep trying to put rules in place to deal with temptations instead of dealing with the thing that's drawing the temptations to us. The buzzards come back, but there's a way to get rid of the buzzards, get rid of the sin issue. Not paying attention to the battle and the armor that you are to wear daily is key in not having those temptations own you. So we, we handed out that, that card that you could stick on your, your window, your mirror, your fridge or whatever, or, or the big sheet print out and praying on the armor of God daily. Now we challenged us to do it for two weeks, but here's the thing. Paul says, put on the armor of God daily. So it's not like, hey, two weeks and I'm good. No, it's, I pray this on daily because it's a war for my heart and salvation and righteousness and the gospel of peace and faith and the sword of the spirit. 
Man, those are things that are meant for me to walk in freedom as I apply the truth to hold it all together. Thoughts that you dwell on. Thoughts that you dwell on become, become habits that you step into. They take root. So we talked about taking every thought captive. Whew, that's a lot. And then grabbing and tossing the ones that are from the enemy or from my flesh. Have that spiritual trash can nearby to grab and toss. Grab and toss. And then when it's of Jesus and for my benefit in following him, man, just let that soak in. Take every thought captive. Oh, I like that one, Jesus. That's from you. That lines up with this. Let it, let it bathe. Let it just like, let me bathe in that. And then, oh, nope, that is not from you. That is not from you. And then Jeremy last week talked about, about letting the, the enemy use fake authority over you that you buy into. He has how much authority? If Jesus has all authority, how much does the enemy have? None. None. Zero. Nada. Nothing. And Jesus said, I got all authority, and so I give to you all you need to walk in. And so everywhere I call you to go, you have my authority. Everything Scripture says about you is true, and you can apply that to your life. You have full authority where Jesus sends you, and you have the full truth and authority of what, what the Bible says about you. So James says there in, in verse 15, the first part, desires, those desires give birth to sinful actions. And then in, in 15b, he says, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. We bite and death moves in. Now, is that incurable from Jesus? No, he can still come in and, and set us free, but... But man, don't toy with those things. It's only destructive in your life. He's always forgiving. He's always a redeemer. But, but there are consequences to sinful actions. So let's know our escape route so that we don't buy into that. And if Satan came after Jesus' identity, he's going to do that with you. He's going to say, hey, here's your, here's your new ID. You and I both know it's fake, but hey, take it. It's yours, bucko. He's going, to get you, he's going to try to get you to buy into your fake identity in, in Christ. He'll make an issue of your past and say, that's who you still are. And the, the thing is, that's your history. That's a, a miracle story of what God brought you out of. It really happened. It's not denying that that past was your past, but it's past. It's not who you are now. The enemy will always try to take something from your past, either distant or relatively, you know, present, but, you know, closer to you, and he'll try to make you buy into that being who you are. It's not who you are. You're who God says you are. He'll, he'll try to make those decisions you make or those failures that you had in your life and, and assign those and say, that's who you are. So just, just dwell in that cesspool. He wants us to buy into the lie that we're unchanged that we really aren't different, that maybe God's just tolerant of you because God has to be because Jesus died for you and you're pretty much a loser, but God's tolerant of you. He'll say things like, if you're really God's precious daughter, how in the world could you do that thing you did last week? What a fake. That's the enemy. Maybe you're not a real believer. Maybe you're, you're not really a son now. You're just an orphan that he lets run around the palace. 
That's what the enemy's going to try to make you believe. In Proverbs 7, verses 6 through 27, we, we read this dark and painfully told narrative of, of toying with sin and temptation and evil. It's, it's actually very, very depressing when you read it, but it's a warning given to us. And it, and it focuses on the obvious evils of, of adultery and immorality, and it uses a young man, uh, basically just picture like, you know, Vegas or somewhere you know, debaucherous, Mardi Gras in New Orleans or something like that. It, it's kind of that picture given to us. And, and he's just walking down the street and he's like, woo, this is, a, this is a fine life to be hanging around and toying with. And, and so it uses that, that kind of pleasurable, immoral story to, to warn us about the general temptations that come in our lives not to mess around and tolerate uh, sin and evil in our lives. Don't put yourself in the path of sin morally or relationally. Don't feast on anger. It's an easy one to feast on these days, right? Anybody struggle with anger in the last year and a half of your life? All, all of us, somehow. We have. Don't feast on that. Don't don't be driven by fear, either driven to act or driven to hide. Don't pursue what the world around you champions as awesome, as the best way. Don't compromise. We were at the beach this last week, and, and the tide was really strong at Port A. And, and it was interesting because it, it gave me a picture of compromise and I'm used to it, I grew up in it and everything. And, and so I'm out there with my boys and we're just talking and playing. And I look over and they're 30 yards away. I'm like, where are you? I don't know, daddy. Ah! You know, because I'm standing and I'm still having to fight it. Because right? it's strong. And my younger ones are just floating. So they're just getting, you know, fortunately it wasn't taking you out to sea. Because then, you know, bye boys. But uh, they were going sideways. Uh, and so I had to basically go and, and then we had to do the, the whole walk around thing. But compromise just keeps taking you further and further away until you're like, I don't even see the path anymore, Jesus. Because that's what compromise is meant to do in our lives. The young man in the story was vulnerable to seduction. The seduction of performance and, and pleasure and even religion it's telling us about. And he, failed, he fell for it because he failed to see who he really was and who he belonged to. It imprisoned him eventually. And in his ignorance, he's basically just aimless and mushy. So he just fell for it. His heart was left unprotected in the war for his heart. And he failed to see the enemy's scheme. If you and I are aimless and mushy, know this. Temptation will not be. It'll be very specific. Rarely do you have a temptation to, hey, just go and, you know, do something. That's rarely a temptation. But, hey... Eat this, do that, go hang out over here. Start thinking this way. Hey, pursue this specific thing. Those are temptations. They are very specific. So don't be aimless and mushy. Be prepared. I want to read that same passage you read earlier from the message version to you. Just listen to how it writes it. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 and 13. Paul says, you're not exempt from temptation. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God 
confidence. No test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit because he'll always be there to help you come through it. So in being prepared, I'm going to have three quick things for us to have as takeaways. Number one, know the temptations that are common to you. We are told that, that man faces common temptations. And so you specifically as a man or a woman, a son or a daughter, you have specific temptations that are common to you. It's okay to take some time to understand what tempts you. It is not defeat. It is not saying you're less than. It is what it is, and, and you'll be tempted by things that are common to you, maybe that you've struggled with in the past or you still struggle with at this time. You're going to have temptations that I don't have, and I'm going to have them that you don't have. So I'm not going to be like, well, that's the five things over there that are common to them, and I don't really struggle with them, so I'm going to focus on those because I'll succeed. Don't be dumb. Okay, be aware. Be aware of the temptations common to you so that you can then know your escape route, which is number two. Know your escape route. It's okay to know how to stay free. Imagine the opposite. Oh, I'm just winging it, you know? I don't know what's out there, I don't know what's coming, but man, I hope I do good when it does. That's ignorant. There's no game plan there. There's no success uh, happening in, in any way being prepared for. Know your escape route. It's not living defeated to know what to do beforehand. So know it. Number three, know who you are, who God says you are. Even if you don't feel it or, or maybe you struggle with thinking Ah, oh, is that true about me? Is that true about me? If God says it about you, it's true. Whether you believe it or not, whether you struggle with it or not, you might struggle with being said, with being said that you're wonderful, that you're, that you're perfectly and fearfully made, that you're a saint, that you're complete in Jesus. Those might be struggles for you, but it's still true as a follower of Jesus. It's more than okay to speak life and blessing, and truth, and God's definitions over yourself. Don't speak lies. Don't listen to lies. Speak truth over yourself. That's why we have this, this out here as, as you're leaving today. On one side, it says war for your heart. Uh, on the other side, uh, it says, who am I? My identity in Jesus. And it's just a number of scriptures. This isn't even complete. This is just the key ones, really, for identity in Christ. And, and there's a scripture reference and a statement about each one. And as you're leaving today, you grab one of these. And my challenge to you is this week to renew your mind with this every day. There's nothing magical about one week. It's not like, hey, in seven days, you'll be free from all temptation. It's not that. It's just a practice for us, okay? But you take this and you speak this over yourself. Don't speak it over somebody else unless it's your kid. Do this for you. It's not selfish. It's truth, okay? Speak out that I'm a child of God, born of God. I'm loved. I'm able to think like Jesus. I'm a member of Christ's body. I'm a saint. I'm chosen by Jesus to be holy and blameless. And all the others throughout the Old Testament and the New that speaks to the truth of who you are, 
You do this every day over your life for seven days, I guarantee you'll begin to go, wow, I can, I can walk through this life victorious in Jesus. Our goal in, is to ask really some strong, pointed, self-inventory questions during this series. So are you aware? Are you aware of, of the temptations in your life? Are you being honest and real with yourself and with Jesus? Do you know your escape routes and, and do you have somebody that you're accountable to in life? Are you reading your Bible? Or are you relying on Sundays for that kind of Bible reading? And maybe you're like, I, I actually do struggle reading the Bible. I don't quite get it. Hey, come to Wednesday Night Live. We're actually going through the Bible and we're looking for and finding Jesus in every book. It's a good way to start your study of the Word. Do it with others and then just let that just feed you more and more. Are you praying? Are you talking to your Father God? And then are you listening to the Holy Spirit speak to you? Are you purposing to act and think and, and live like Jesus? Are you growing in community? Just doing life in Jesus with fellow believers. If your community are non-believers, that is what you will become like. That's called a mission field, and that's good. We're called to love God, love people, and go. But you, you do community with, with followers of Jesus so that you can go out and be Jesus to that other group of people that is not your community. They aren't. Lost people are not your community. That's who you're trying to bring into the community of God, the family of God, as a mission. Now, we don't hate them or despise them. We love them with the love of the Lord. But don't be fed there because you'll be fed junk. And then do you have someone who speaks big into your life? Accountability that you listen to. So we're going to pray right now for just the Lord to give us some spirit-led direction. And then we're going we're gonna to go into some, some worship and um, um, taking of communion together. But uh, I'd like you to stand right now as we pray. And I'm just going to pray God's direction over your life, mainly that you would start fully buying into who you are in Jesus. Because your identity in Christ will lead everything you do. So why don't you just pray with me and then... And then I'm going to set us up for, for a communion time uh, right after that. But, but Lord, we, we come to you right now as sons and daughters. And I ask that, that as we step into this lifestyle of our identity in you, that you would just wash your truth over us. Our minds are, uh, would be renewed by the truth of your word. That we wouldn't fear temptation. We would know our escape routes. We'd know who we are in you. That we would, we would step into the, the truth of our identity as, as a part of our defense, as a part of our, our way to stand strong, just like Jesus did. That we wouldn't grab a hold and, and bite. But we'd know what's common to us. We'd know the escape routes because we're asking you. And then when we're faced with something, we could go, no, I am who you say I am. And I don't have to give in to that. That's a lie. That's for orphans and slaves and lost. That's not for me. As a blood 
bought back follower of Jesus. So speak to us right now and during the song of worship that's coming up and, and even throughout the week. Show us how to live free in this war for our hearts so we can escape temptation. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.